0: years ago i kind of learned a lesson i had uh, gone to a meeting in texra Canada, our pastors and missionaries committee meeting heard a great sermon i mean it really rocked my boat and so i asked to get the tape and so i got the got the tape and so i uh, came back and uh, after i got the tape and i sat down and i listened to that sermon again but it didn't have the punch to it that it had to the first time and the reason was because the music was not on the tape. So the music, and I'd heard this kind of a as a proverb that the music prepares your heart for the message. And I became a strong believer in that that day. We're glad to see you. You see our new uh, foyer out there. I commend those who worked and labored to bring that to pass. It uh, looks nice for my living room. I want to come up here and. <laughs> And uh, let it be my living room now. And so uh, we're glad to appreciate each one. Don't forget, it does cost money. And if you're viewing today and our viewing audience, uh, uh, we need to see some of those uh, those cards and letters come in, <laughs> if you know what I mean. All right, today we're going to talk about a friend in Jesus. And I'll be like Elizabeth Taylor, as one preacher said. I said to her husband, six, seven husbands that she had. She said, I won't keep you long, and so I'll try not to keep you long. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at two verses to begin with, 57 and 58. The Bible says, and as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him. He was kind of the captain of the army, Saul's army, and brought him before Saul and the head of the Philistine, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. I don't know, you talk about a uh, housewarming gift. (laughs) Uh, That was a pretty good one, wasn't it? And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now Saul knew who David was, but he didn't know who his daddy was. And so here we find that David has previously killed the giant Goliath. My heart was blessed uh, yesterday. It was Sandra's birthday, and Paul and Holly and, and Ellis came down. And uh, they sat there at the table last night uh, while uh, Paul and I were sitting there watching the Mavericks and uh, the golf game out, uh, out west uh, and uh, we, uh, but I noticed although they were singing, and they were singing the little song, only a boy named David. And you should have seen my grandson, man! I mean, he had that sling going. <laughs> uh, it was uh, certainly a blessing uh, to to our hearts. But so we find that David has now killed Goliath, and we know that King Saul became very jealous. Uh, because of that and he set out to kill David the people cried out that Saul hath killed his thousands and and uh, and but David his ten thousands and it says that when David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely and Saul sent him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants And then it says he came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all their Israel singing and dancing and to meet King Saul with tablets and joy and with instruments of music. And here it is. And the women answered one another as they played and they said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul, how did he react to that? It says he was very wrath. And the same displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me have they ascribed but thousands. What can he have more than but the kingdom? And Saul eyed david from that day forward (coughs) and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from god came upon saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and david played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in saul's hand and saul cast the javelin for he said i will smite david Even to the wall of it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And so we find here that Saul was out to get David. He was, David himself was being molded uh, during that time. But we find that uh, he would eventually become the king and he would need this test and this trial and God does that to us sometimes. <coughs> he, as uh, Aaron mentioned a couple of weeks ago, sometimes God puts us in the fire, doesn't he? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Get that spider out of there. And so he was being molded, and he gave uh, David a friend. And sometimes that's when you need a friend, isn't it? A friend in need. That's our title today. A friend in need. Is a friend indeed is a friend in need, and certainly David needed a friend, and God gave him Jonathan, the son of Saul. Are friends important? Well, they are, aren't they? How many times have you been down and out and behind the eight ball, as they say, and someone has stepped up to the plate and said, I'm here for you. You can count on me. I'll be there for you. Friends, that is invaluable. If you have a friend like that, if you just have one, and a lot of people do, just have one person like that. There are fair-weather friends, of course. There are acquaintances, of course. And all those are good. But to have somebody that will be in your corner when you need someone in your corner. When things aren't going good. And maybe when you haven't done so good. Maybe you haven't performed <clears throat> to your highest level and so we find that friends are important I remember a, a saying I heard years ago and I've kind of coined it for myself this is a, this is a good one Jacob <clears throat> it goes like this friendship ain't just shaking hands and saying howdy do but friendship grips a fellow's heart and warms him through and through like that? I think it's a good saying. And so, uh, note some of the qualities of friendship that Jonathan, the son of Saul, possessed as he showed it towards David, who was the villain, who had become gone from being a hero to being a villain in the eyes of the king. First of all, we find that Jonathan, Jonathan was a giver, not a taker. It says that it came to pass that when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the, Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as he loved his, as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to the home of his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant between because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that, well, he, that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Well, <clears throat> what do we get out of all that? Well, uh, first of all, let me say that uh, Jonathan was appreciative. He was appreciative of the fact that David had killed Goliath. Remember that last week when we talked about that battle that everybody was afraid of this giant and it was apparent that they had no one to send out to Goliath and that they were going not to be the victors but were going to be the victims of the Philistines. But David, little David stepped up the plate, didn't he? And what did he do? Well, he killed the giant. And not only did he save Israel, but he saved his daddy. You can't help but appreciate somebody that'll save your daddy. And so he did. And so, secondly, he was respectful. He was very respectful. Here we find, we know that, that he respected him for his courage, no doubt and for his love for his daddy he he was the one that would come and play the harp and and, and soothe the the soul of saul that was troubled and uh he uh, had a love for israel remember at the battle that uh, before the battle david said have we not a cause he loved israel he wanted israel to be the winner he was pro-jewish <laughs> he was and so he was respectful and not only that, he was extravagant. And here we find that he gave him his armor. And I didn't understand the significance of that, so I do what all preachers do. You look at the commentary. And, so, and, uh, and what this was significant of the fact that he was yielding to David his right to the throne, heirship of the throne, recognizing that David... When Saul, daddy, is gone, you're going to be the king. Well, God had already done that. God had already taken care of that. But now we find that he recognized that, and he surrendered his heirship to David. And so Jonathan was a giver. He gave his appreciation. He gave his respect, and he was very extravagant in what he given had given. Isn't that a great way to show friendship Certainly it is. Everybody say amen. Amen. Say it a little bit louder. Yeah, I want everybody at home to hear that. And then secondly, Jonathan was a defender of David and not an accuser. It says that Jonathan spake good of David. Spake good of him. Unto Saul his father and said unto him, Let not the king sin against the servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good for he did put life in his hand and he slew the philistine and the lord wrought a great salvation for all israel that saw it and did rejoice and therefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay david without a cause and so here we find that saul who wanted to kill david was defended by his son, Jonathan, and said, you know, this little guy, he put his life on the line when he stood before that giant to save your hide, to save your reputation, to save our nation. I can only speak good of him. That's what a friend does. Friend is one that will look for good and will expound the good when everybody else can only see the bad. And we're kind of like that as people, aren't we? <clears throat> You ever notice that on TV when well, you watch the news, how people are always looking for somebody to blame? Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Who lost the football game? Who are we going to blame? I heard an announcer say the other day about the Dallas Cowboys. So are we going to blame the coach? Are <laughs> we going to blame the defense? We gonna blame the are we going to blame the offense? we We got to blame somebody. Well, that seems to be the way that we live today. And so we need somebody that will step up to the plate and will defend a person. I had a trial one time, I was on a jury. Everybody, how many people been on a jury? On the jury, you know the part when they uh, bring somebody up to, to speak about their character? Well, this was, a, this was a guy that only had one person that would stand up for him. That was his mother. His mother was the only friend that he had. It says something a little about moms, young people. But you know what he needed? He needed some friends. Friends that didn't have to be bought, but friends that would be there through thick and thin. Good times and the bad times. A lot of times people say, well, I, I'll be behind you. And then when he comes, push comes to shove, what happens? They're way behind you. Or like one pastor said, the guy told me, he said, he said, I'll be behind you, and he was with a knife. <laughs> well, we've seen that happen, haven't we? And so in those sad times, in those hard times, we need someone that will defend you and not join the accusers. It's amazing how people love dirt on people, don't they? You ever notice that in the political world? How that People just look for dirt on their opponent. Well, I won't get into politics. But Jonathan was a defender of David, not an accuser. Number three, Jonathan was a befriender, not a defector. I don't know if befriender is a good word or a real word or not, but I made it up. Back in verse 20. We read the story, and you've probably heard the story about shooting the arrows. And as soon as the lad was gone, the Bible says David arose out of a place toward the south, and he fell on his face to the ground, and he bowed himself three times, and he kissed each other. Now I don't take that—that's not a Hollywood kiss. Okay, I remember spending the whole seminary session talking about why David and Jonathan were not gay, you know. <clears throat> but this was a a a, a eastern. Uh, uh type of uh, greeting where they it's kind of like the french kiss you know but you don't do their lips they just hug one side and then they hug the other you know kind of like guys do today you know they go up and they hug christian guys even in church they go up there and they hug each other and they pat themselves three times on the on the back that means i'm not gay okay <laughs> and so we give those kind of of manly hugs holy hugs is what i call them and, and so uh, we find uh, that uh, they wept one with another, and, and David uh, exceeded, with David and uh, exceeded, and Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, forasmuch as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee. That's their common bond. and Between thy seed and thy seed forever. And he arose, and he, they departed, and Jonathan went his way into the city and so here we find that he was a befriender not a defector and so today we need more befriending in our world today we need more people that will be there when you need a friend won't be gone won't be way behind you won't be there with the knife will be there through thick and through thin. Through the years, I've seen that, especially in the hours of death. I remember, many of y'all remember Elizabeth uh, Lamascus. Elizabeth was a friend of Terry's and, and she had a dreaded disease and I don't know if they ever really put a tag on what it was, but in her hour of death, all of her friends, her girlfriends were there, grown, grown women. And as, she, as they pulled life support from her, they, they sit there and they, they sang 10,000 years. As, and as they sang that last verse, she flatlined. And I was in awe at the friendship and the love that these friends had between each other. And I thought, man, what a send-off. <laughs> what a send-off. Friends are important. If you have a good friend, you got something of great value. Treat them. Gently treat them with value if they are a befriender, and they will not defect in the hour of trouble. And then Jonathan was an encourager, not a discourager. We look in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 23. It says, Jonathan's son arose, and he went to David in the woods, and that's in the woods, and strengthened his hand in God. I like that statement strengthened his hand in God and he said to him fear not that's what the Lord always said wasn't it? or an angel always said don't fear for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee and thou shalt be king over Israel and I shall be next unto thee and that also Saul my father knoweth daddy knows that that you and me are like that You can count on me. And he strengthened him in the Lord. I would say to you today, some of the greatest friends that you'll ever have will be your Christian friends because we have that common bond that we know the Lord. And we know the Lord is mighty to save. We know the Lord is mighty to deliver. We know that the Lord will never leave us nor will he forsake us. And when our friend is down and out, we point them to their Lord that they might be encouraged, they might be strengthened. And so Jonathan was saying, I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner. Sometimes when life isn't fair to us, we need a friend that's in the corner. Hopefully we as a church would be in each other's corner. When trouble comes, when heartache comes, troubled times come when poverty may come when financial reversal knocks at our door that your friends here at Crestview Missionary Baptist Church will be there in your corner and will strengthen your hand in the Lord and I would say that there have been times in my 31 years I've started my 32nd year here, that you guys have been in my corner You've been in my corner. And I appreciate that so very, very much. I tell people about that all the time. What a great church we have. How do you do that? Well, one of the things is pray for them and pray with them. Pray for them and with them. It's never wrong to give a person a call and say, I want to pray for you and have a prayer right there on the phone. I remember years ago, I forgot what it was, something was going on, and, and I remember getting a note from a prayer team down in East Texas, and the note said to me, says, I, I, I don't uh, know you, and you don't know me, but I want you to know that I heard about your plight, and I'm praying for you. Wow. I'll tell you what that was a note i needed that day he didn't know that he probably just got assigned a name in their prayer team but he prayed for me even though i wasn't his friend he wasn't mine but it even means more i've had pastor friends at times that have called and said i heard you've been sick i just want to have a prayer with you and we would sit there on the phone and they'd have prayer with us the guy that does the uh is in charge out in uh, uh in arizona and he's the one that does our our veteran uh things with the little new testament what do they call those things what do we call them yeah and and those things he calls me every now and then and he said pastor i just wanted to call and pray for you and through the years just through that prayer we have bonded and, and become his first wife died and and he remarried just here, uh, year four last. And and so we've just kind of, we've shared things with each other and he's become a friend through prayer. And then visits and calls, we have shut-ins here. Have you ever visited one of our shut-ins? You ever called one of our shut-ins? Do you even know who our shut-ins are? They would probably love to hear from their church. Serve the Lord for years, but no longer can they get out and go for whatever reason. they would like to hear from their church friends make an effort you have to do it on purpose you have to do it on purpose and so jonathan was an encourager and in these terrible times that we're living (coughs) my goodness we here we got about 30 35 people you know last week i sent out 21 letters of bulletins to absentees that's too many And you know what? a lot of times people miss something and the more they miss the more they don't miss it I was telling someone I had this great thought the other night you know I used to uh, play racquetball but I hadn't played racquetball in a number of years you know what I don't miss it anymore I used to miss it well if I couldn't go play once a week I, I really missed it and I used to play golf and if I didn't get to go play golf on Tuesday, where we got the senior discount, you know, and got to go eat barbecue, Carrie knows where that's at. They also serve baloney, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> but boy, I missed it. If I didn't get to, or something happened, I couldn't go. I missed that. But you know what? I don't miss it anymore. Get the picture? You're watching me today, and you've started using this broadcast as an excuse not to come you're going to get to the point where you don't miss coming at all and I implore you and I encourage you you, as a member of this church that you would ask for God's help to get you back because we need your encouragement in the pew we really do, I do these empty pews are not an encouragement they're really not they're a discouragement and as your pastor i need that so jonathan was an encourager not a discourager in conclusion i know you like those words i told you i wouldn't keep you long david's worst enemy was not goliath the giant his worst enemy was his king his king but david treated the king with respect which we should always do even to our enemies Pour coals of fire upon their heads Jonathan met David's need for a friend in a time of need. The question came to me was, do you have friends? How do you find friends? Well, remember the verse in, in Proverbs 18, 24. He that would have friends must show himself friendly. I remember going to the hospital one time and one of our members was there, and a lady told me, she said, uh, you're the only one from our church that has come to see me. I said, why haven't there anybody else come? And I said, how many people have you gone to the hospital to see? <laughs> he that wants to have friends must show himself friendly. You got to stay in touch to keep a friend And then the second question is, what kind of friend are you? Are you a giver instead of a taker? A defender instead of an accuser? A befriender instead of a defector? And an encourager instead of a discourager? choice is ours, isn't it? When I stand before the Lord, I would like him to say you were a faithful friend to a number of people. Perhaps today... (coughs) You'd answer this question. Do you have some friendships that you need to refresh and enrich? There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I wouldn't want to quit without mentioning the fact that Aaron mentioned is that it is Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Because Jesus will not fail you. He will not leave you when you feel like you don't have a friend you do have a friend and it's the Lord Jesus while we stand our heads are bowed our eyes are closed perhaps today you don't know my Jesus I'd invite you today right in the privacy of your own heart to bow your head and heart and ask Jesus to be your Savior your Lord and your friend for time and for eternity and then In faith, come and identify yourself with Christ. Baptism. Baptism tells everybody that Jesus is your friend, that you're a friend of Jesus. Become a part of his church and serve him. He can use you to friend others. He will love others through you. Don't be ashamed of him. He wasn't ashamed of you perhaps today you do have some friendships that you really need to enrich people that have been close to you but through time and circumstances they drifted away in times of sickness and sorrow you haven't really been there for them maybe you need to make contact and renew that relationship again or Maybe today you haven't been a friend to your church members. Maybe today you need to say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to be used of you to encourage others. Father, we thank you today for your word It's rich and real. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.